Hey. Uh, go ahead and take your uh, expectations down, okay? That's fine. Uh, it's good to be here, man. It's so good to see so many. Uh, here's the thing. I could literally just go home now. I, I could just get on a plane and go back home now. I've seen some incredible faces, talked to some great people. Uh, we sang some great worship. Did we not just sing some great worship? Yeah, let's, let's give it up for our worship team. They do such a great job. Uh, it does not go without notice. Like the tech team, I don't know how much, how much like props you guys are getting anymore. Uh, man, doesn't our tech team do a great job? Like you don't know... You don't know that Brad was sitting here just a second ago going, I can't get my microphone on. I was like, I don't know. Just go up there and see what happens. And man, they, they got to take care of it. They took care of it. So, uh, man, it is such a joy and an honor. Here's the deal. Uh, if you do not know who I am, that is perfectly okay. You owe me nothing. I just want to say that right up front. You owe me nothing. I've, I've earned no equity with you. And so if you want to get up and walk out, like, go ahead. If you want to log off, go ahead. It's fine. It's, it's okay. I promise. It's okay. Uh, but for those of you that do know me, uh, today's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun today. You guys want to have some fun today? Uh, in order to have some fun, we're going to have to participate a little bit. So online, those of you joining us online, uh, whatever puts you online, whether you're uh, traveling this weekend or maybe you're at home this weekend, for whatever reason you're at home today, uh, in the chat, whatever platform you're on, I want to make sure that you are communicating with us in the chat as well. So be sure to do that so that we can communicate back with you. But we're going to have some fun. And I want to start by asking a question right up front. How many of you have ever felt, and this is a, a, an all skate, so we're all participating, okay? So hands are gonna go up. If you wanna make some noise, you're welcome to do that as well. But how many of you have ever had to act like you were happy when in fact you weren't really happy for someone? Like someone says something to you and as they're saying it to you, you're going, I, I'm happy for you and you're not really happy for them. Like I saw a lot of hands go up right there. Uh, like for instance, when you were a kid and you said, hey mom or dad, I'd really like a puppy for Christmas, and then Christmas came around, and you didn't get a puppy, but your best friend got a puppy, and you were like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. Or maybe you stayed up late one night studying for a test, or writing a paper, or trying to get into a specific college, and you did all of these things, and you barely got into that college, or you barely got that test passed, or you barely got that paper written, but your friend did nothing, did absolutely nothing, and got into the school, passed with flying colors, didn't study, wrote the paper, like they were just with their eyes shut, they just did the thing, and you were like, I'm so happy for you. Or maybe you were single. And you just prayed, God, would you just bring the one? God, I'm looking for the one. God, would you please bring the one? And as you're praying for the one, you keep getting in the mail invitations to other people's weddings, and you just go, I'm so happy for you. Or maybe you lost your job, and your friend gets a promotion, and you say, man, I'm just so happy for you. Or you owe money on your taxes, and your friend's going, dude, I'm buying a boat with my return. You're going, I'm just so happy for you. And then it gets worse, right? Because then they compound it and say, I prayed and this happened. Like they added God into the equation and then it just makes you more angry about it, right? For instance, let's just play this one out for a second. Let's say that you've got a friend who tells you, listen, I was praying the other day. I pulled into Target and I said, dear Jesus, I need a parking spot. Because it's raining, and I don't want to be caught out in the rain. In fact, I just got done at the gym, and I don't need extra steps. I just want a parking spot. And so I prayed. I said, dear Jesus, would you please give me a parking spot? And wouldn't you know it? He did it. Wouldn't you know it? He parted the, the Priuses, and he parted the Suburbans, just like he parted the Red Sea. And there it was, my spot, A1. You couldn't believe it. It was right there. And you hear that, and you go, I'm praying for a baby. And God's giving out parking spots? 
I'm praying for my wedding and my marriage to, to be intact and God's giving out parking spots. I'm praying for this health diagnosis to go away and God's giving out parking spots. See, I think for some of us, this is our hurdle. This is the thing that keeps us from growing in our relationship with Jesus is this pain that we find ourselves in where we ask the question, God, where are you? God, I'm trying to have a child. God, I'm trying to grow in my relationship with my spouse. God, I'm trying to do this thing. God, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And all of a sudden, it seems like everyone around us is getting all of the blessing and all of the glory and all of God. And we're saying, God, where are you? See, that's been the premise of this entire series, hasn't it? This entire series, we've been looking at this idea of the, the purpose of pain. What was the purpose of pain? And then you read things like James. You guys have looked at James already, so I'm going to spend a few moments there. James says this in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, we'll come to the first part of that here in a second, the consider it pure joy, because that's just asinine, isn't it? Like that whole thought about, hey, when it comes to, to trials, we should consider it joy. We'll come back to that in a second. But let's look at the back half of this for now. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, here's what James is telling us. He's telling us to expect the trials. The trials are coming. Some of you are like, wait, wait a second. So um, you're supposed to be here to inspire us and encourage us, and you're not doing it. We'll get there, I promise. We'll get there. But James is saying, expect the trials. He's saying trials are inevitable because here's the deal. All of us go through trials, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, all of us have gone through trials. You've gone through trials in the past or you're going through trials right now or you're gonna go through trials in the future. Say, what's a trial, Ryan? A trial is anything that makes you question God. Anything that makes you say, God, where are you? God, my, my family had this crisis. We had this financial thing. We had this relational thing. We had this thing. And God, where are you in this? That is a trial. Because here's the deal. It's really easy, isn't it, to call God a healer when you don't need a healing. It's really easy to say that God is your provider until you need him to provide. It's really easy to say, I can do all things through him who gives me strength until you need to do some things through him who gives you strength. It's really easy to believe that God loves you with an unconditional love, unchanging love, and he's with you in the moment until you need him. And that's why so many of us, when it comes to pain, when it comes to trial, we try to reconcile the disease. We try to reconcile the pain. We try to reconcile the loss. We try to reconcile all of this stuff. And then we find ourselves in a room like this or online singing about God's goodness. It might make us step back and ask the question, is God really that good? Because if God was good, this thing wouldn't happen. If God was good, I wouldn't be going through this. But James says the contrary. James says, consider it pure joy whenever, not if, not just in case, whenever. He's saying trials are inevitable. We will face them, expect the pain. But then he goes on because pain has a purpose. That's been the whole thought behind this series. Pain has a purpose. Check out the purpose that James gives us in verse three and four. He says this, because you know the testing of your faith produces something. It produces perseverance. So let that perseverance work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. He's saying there's a process we go through. When there's pain, what happens after pain is it causes endurance inside of us. And that endurance becomes character, which then becomes hope. There's purpose in all of the trials. I've got three kids, and the question I've been getting all weekend is, how are your kids doing? How's your wife doing? So I'll just, I'll just talk about them now. Is that cool? Then, then we don't have to ask that question later. You can just ask me how I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, 
I've got three kids. I've got an 11-year-old named Kendall. I almost screwed that up. I got a nine-year-old named Daxton and a five-year-old named, named Ezra. Now, here's the deal. Um, their numbers keep changing, so I'm trying to keep up, all right? Uh, if they would just stay the same, we'd be good. Now, my 11-year-old Kendall loves every single day when I say goodbye to her in the daytime. She loves to just jump on me with all of her weight. Now, when she was five, that was okay. When she was six, that was okay. She's getting older. Uh, she apparently got some of my wife's genetics, so she's, she's almost my height now. She, she, I know some of you are like, oh, man, she must be super tall. <laughs> no, she's just taller than me. Um, so anyway, she, she jumps on me with all of her weight. Now, here's the truth. When I expect it, when I expect it, it's no problem. When she jumps on me with all of her weight, it's like I'm going to the gym and it's like I'm just doing some squat workout. That's all it means, okay? But if I'm not expecting it, she'll take me to the ground. She's got so much weight that when she jumps on me, she'll take me to the ground. Here's the truth. Here's what James is getting at. If we expect it and we know it's coming, we need to understand that God's working. Because if we don't expect it, and the weight of the trial jumps on your back, what happens is it takes you to the ground, and that's when you begin questioning, where is God in this? But Romans gives us a great promise. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, not some things, not specific things, not a few things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The thing that we have to remember, church, is that we can expect pain. And when we expect pain, we understand that God is working in that pain. And here's the truth. God is always with you in that pain. A few months ago, I had the privilege of taking my kids to Disney World. Anybody ever taken their kids to Disney World before? Anybody ever gone to Disney World before? A few of you, okay. I know we're closer to Disneyland here, and so uh, no, no shame there. Um, but I, I took my kids to Disney World. And the thing with was, was we went there. We've been planning on going there for quite some time. We kind of saved up the money, and we decided this is the year. We're going to do this thing. It's going to be great. And then we invited my sister and her family to go with us, and they've got some older kids. And so we knew, like with the 11, 9, and 5, there's a chance that our kids might not be able to keep up, specifically my five-year-old Ezra. Now, Ezra, if you, you know her at all, I mean, she, she was pretty young when we left, and so you might not know her at all. Maybe you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. She's a spitfire, absolute spitfire. She is, she is five going on 37, and she will tell you all about it all the time. I shared a story with somebody today that I cannot share from this stage of something she said today uh, because I would not be asked to come back. Uh, she is seriously uh, just a spitfire. I mean, absolutely a spitfire. And so uh, we're getting ready to go to Disney, and I begin to have a conversation with my wife, Blair. I say, hey, Blair, listen, I don't think Ezra's going to be able to keep up. And so I'm good, if on certain days we need to head back to the house or on certain days we need to peel off to go like look at Minnie Mouse or do whatever she wants to do, like we'll do that. But I know the big kids, I don't want to take away the environment of what the big kids are going to do. The big kids want to ride all of the rides and do all the things and see all the things and stay up late and watch the fireworks and go to bed early. Do all the, I mean, they want to do all the things. And so we're like, okay. And so we had it in our mind that Ezra wasn't going to do everything. We knew that. We said Ezra is not going to participate in everything. Ezra had it otherwise. She said, Dad, I'm doing everything the big cousins do. If they stay up late, I'm staying up late. If they get up early and go to the park early, I'm going to the park early. If they want to ride Tower of Terror, I'll figure out a way to get on Tower of Terror, and I will ride it with Like She was ready to go. 
And so I'm like, all right, let's figure this out. And so we arrive at one of the parks one day, and she figures out, she understands that at one of the parks, there's this place called Toy Story Land. Any Toy Story fans in the house? Four of you. Cool, cool, cool. This story's going to relate real well. Um, but at Toy Story Land, there's this ride called Slinky Dog. Okay, And Slinky Dog is as what you would imagine Slinky Dog to be. There is a dog head right here and a dog behind right here. And everything in the middle is a Slinky. Now, Slinky Dog is a roller coaster. Ask me, church, how many roller coasters my five-year-old has been on in her life? I said, ask me, not you guess. She's been on zero, okay? She's been on zero roller coasters in her entire life. Never, ever, ever even touched foot on a roller coaster. Never even had a desire to ride a roller coaster. But for whatever reason, she hears this day, I'm riding Slinky Dog. Because Big Cousins are riding Slinky Dog. And if Big Cousins are riding Slinky Dog, I'm riding Slinky Dog. And so we fast-passed it. Said, all right. We're going to get up there and we're going to get in line as fast as we possibly can so that she doesn't actually see this ride take off. Because if she sees this ride take off, she's not getting on this ride. And I wanted to prove to her that she was wrong by saying, I'm going to do everything the other kids do. And so we fast, fast, we get to the front of the line, we get on, we buckle in. And here was my moment. Dad, daughter, she's kind of she's mine. Like she, she attaches herself to me all the time. And so in this moment, I'm like, you know what? Next to my father of the year plaque that I'm going to have, I just, I need a picture. And so I snapped this picture. Check this picture out. This is me and her. We're getting ready to ride Slinky Dog. This is pre-Slinky Dog. Pre, it's very important to know that. Pre-Slinky Dog. So she gets in. She buckles up and she says, dad, I can't wait to ride this ride. And just as soon as she says those words, it takes off. And it's in this moment that I realize that I am out of the running for father of the year. Because as it takes off, all of a sudden it starts going, I didn't watch it either. I was trying to distract her to make sure she didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I expected my wife. She's the better half to know what this thing's going to do. And so I'm sitting there, and it starts going up. And church, what happens when things go up? They must come down and sideways, right? That's what's happening. And this thing's going to come hard, and it's going to come fast. And I'm realizing as it's making its climb that this is not going to end well. Well, as we make the climb up, I lean over to her, and I say, Isn't this so fun? Yes, Dad. It's a blast. Then it starts to go down, figuratively and literally. We start taking off down the hill, and she's screaming, she's yelling, she's cussing in a five-year-old language, she is crying, she has disowned me as her father, and she has now called me Ryan. Ryan, I want off this ride. Ryan, I want nothing to do with this. This is the worst. I hate you. This is terrible. Why'd you make me do this? You're my dad. Why am I on this thing? And I just kept leaning into her saying, isn't this so fun? No, it's not. Well, the ride ends, thankfully, and I decided, I'm out of the running for Father of the Year. I need an after picture. So check this out. It's the after picture. (laughs) 
She's terrified, isn't she? She wants nothing to do with me. Well, we get off the ride and we go down the sidewalk. You know the sidewalk where at the end of it, Disney takes all your money? We arrive there. And I said, Ezra, what, what did you think? I didn't, I didn't know what she would say. She said, Dad, that was so fun. What ride were you on? Like, I, I sat next to you. I was buckled in with you. There is no way that you thought that ride, there's not a chance. There's not a chance in all of heaven that you thought, yeah, this is a blast, Dad. Let's do it again. Not a chance. And so then I go into, like, psychology mode the rest of the day. Like, my Disney experience is shot the rest of the day because I'm like, what did she do? What, what, what are the connections? How did she go from, I hate you, Ryan, to, Dad, that was so fun? Here's what I found. And you know this is true. Because of the proximity in which I was in the cart with her, changed her perspective. Because I was in it with her, it changed for her. Because here's the truth. If she would have rode that ride all by herself, she'd be in counseling right now. And I would not be allowed to leave the house. But because I was in proximity with her, and because I was speaking over her, and because I was near her the entire time, and when it landed, and we got done, and she unbuckled, and she realized I'm alive, she looked at me and she said, Dad, that was so fun. Church, how many slinky dog moments have we gone through as individuals? Where we're in a cart and we're buckled in, and we're hating every moment of it, aren't we? We're yelling, we're screaming, we're cussing, not in a five-year-old language. We're disowning God, not calling him God, not giving him the proper respect he deserves. I mean, I can think of so many painful moments in my life, trials in my life, where when I'm on the slinky dog ride of life, I'm going, God, where are you? God, how could you be so absent? How could you not know this? God, what could you do about this? I think of when my wife and I got married. We tried for so many years to have kids. And we tried. And everyone around us seemed to just be having kids. And then we got pregnant and we were so excited. And then we lost it. I think of when my father died. The slinky dog ride of life. When a parent dies, you go, God, where, where are you in this? I mean, I wish I could tell you that even moving here three years ago and heading to Nebraska and heading home and everything's fine and dandy, but then COVID hit, right? And it's been a slinky dog ride of life for us as a family, much like it has for you. You've had to figure out how to navigate all of these things. What slinky dog rides have you been on? We're in the moment you're cussing and screaming and yelling and wondering, where is God in this? Maybe it's when someone says something about you. Maybe it's when you didn't get into the school you thought you were getting into. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's a health diagnosis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. I don't know what it is. But all of us, when we're in this slinky dog ride of life, we have to understand that he's with us. That's the number one promise in the Bible. You know that, right? Fear not, for I am with you. 
It's the number one promise. It's seen over and over and over again. So will you apply that promise? When you jump on the slinky dog ride of life and you're wondering where God is, would you just declare, my God is with me in this? When you have an impossible decision to make, would you declare, God is with me? When you're alienated from those that you love, would you declare, my God is with me? When you worry about having enough, would you declare, my God is with me? When you have an unexpected job change, would you declare, my God is with me? When you have to learn a new way to do math, would you declare, my God is with me? When you have to have a difficult conversation, would you declare, my God is with me? When you wonder what's going to happen, declare, my God is with me. When you don't feel strong enough to take on whatever's in front of you, declare, my God is with me. When you're confused and unsure about the direction you need to move, declare, my God is with me. When you're weighed down by darkness and depression, declare, my God is with me. When you're saddened by all that you've lost, declare my God is with me. When you're scared by all that's changed, declare my God is with me. Because when you find yourself at a breaking point and you declare that God is with you, it changes everything. He'll never leave you, church. He'll never forsake you. He knows your needs. He knows your fears. He knows what's happened. He knows what's coming. He knows your history. He knows who you are. He knows where you came from. He knows how to get you where you need to go. He knows how to strengthen you. The same God we question is the same God who sits with us in Slinky Dog. The same God we blame for our pain is the same God who sits there in it with us. And so what do we do with all this? How do we wrap a bow on this series to say, yeah, expect pain, go live in the world? Let me give you the answer. It comes from James. See, I believe that the antidote to pain is joy. The antidote to pain is joy. Remember he says, consider it pure. What's that word? Joy. I asked for participation. I'm not getting much. Thank you. <laughs> Consider it pure what? Joy. Joy. Let me ask you a question. How would you, if you had a gauge in front of you, how would you rate your joy gauge today? Is it empty? Is it full? Here's what I know. I know that most of us aren't going, man, you know what I need less of in my life? Joy. <laughs> None of us are like that. All of us could use more joy. In fact, I'm going to look at the book of Philippians. I've got seven minutes left. I don't know if that's happening, but we're going to find it, okay? Philippians chapter four, Paul's writing in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard. Not a joyous circumstance, right? But he's writing about joy. And if the antidote to pain is joy, check out what Paul says in, uh, hang on, in Philippians chapter four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, anytime the Bible says something twice, you should probably pay attention to it. Then he goes on, says, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You say, what, 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 how, how do we apply all that? Let me illustrate it this way. Any dog people in the house? Who's a dog person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dog people don't raise their hand. Dog people make some noise, all right? Any dog people in the house? Yeah, 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 yeah. Any cat people in the house? Oh, man, I'll pray for you. Um, I, will, I will say this. You didn't meow, so, so props to you. Like, the dog people woofed. If the cat people would have meowed, I would just probably like, all right, I, my time here's done. Cool. Um, so don't meow. Please don't meow. Um, but here's the deal with dogs. 
we, we decided in COVID, because COVID wasn't like bad enough, right? Like it wasn't already just already all sorts of extreme things around it. We decided, you know what would make it better? We're homeschooling our kids. We moved to a new land. We don't know anybody. The church is closed. Let's get a dog. Why not, right? Like, sure. Let's just, let's just compound all of these things on top of one thing. Let's get a dog. And so um, I said no, so we got a dog. And... Um, <laughs> Our dog is a double doodle. If you want to talk about it, we can talk. He's awesome. But anyway, with a dog, you know this. When you, when you have a puppy, you have to teach them how to potty outside, right? Now, on your church bingo card, if you had Slinky Dog and Potty, like you won today. Um, but you got to teach your dog how to potty outside. And so with our dog, we would we'd take the dog outside. And when the dog went potty, what do you do when the dog goes potty? What do you do? You celebrate, right? Like you get excited, you do the potty dance. You're like, yeah, I'm so proud of you. You get a treat, you get whatever you want. Come on, come on. You want to sleep on my bed tonight? You do whatever you want, big guy. Like you're excited about that dog going pee because when that dog goes pee, it reinforces that behavior that what they do matters, especially in location. You want to reinforce that behavior inside of them. You know this with kids, don't you? When you have a baby, and they're just a baby, you put them on the ground, and uh, ironically, they don't move. It's, it's kind of weird, okay? They just stay there. But then, as time comes, they start to crawl. And what do you do as they start to crawl? You start to celebrate with them, right? You say, yeah, I'm so proud of you. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. And then they start to walk, and then you get the camera out, and you act like they won an Olympic gold medal, don't you? Like, I can't believe you did this. Most every human being in all of the world can walk, but that's another thing, so... But you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe. Why do you do that? You do that because you want to reinforce that behavior. What gets celebrated gets repeated. You know that at work, don't you? When you celebrate when someone does something good at work, it gets repeated. When you don't celebrate something good, oftentimes the chance of them redoing it is very, very low. So if it works in babies and it works in dogs and it works at work, shouldn't it work in here? What gets celebrated gets repeated. What gets repeated gets elevated. Some of us are here today and we're saying, I just don't know how to feel joy, Ryan. If joy is the antidote to pain, I don't know how to feel that way. Let me ask you a question. What are you celebrating? What are you celebrating? What's keeping you from having joy? Because contrary to popular belief, joy is not about accumulating lots of things. How do I know that? Because a lot of us have tried that. Joy is something we have to cultivate inside of us. And so Paul's going to give us exactly how to do that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Check out what Paul says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters. Now, whenever Paul says finally, he's got like nine more chapters to go. So don't, don't read too much into that. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Everybody say true. Whatever is noble. Everybody say noble. Whatever is right. Everybody say right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable, if anything is, or think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying joy is a decision, not a demeanor. So many of us think that joy is a demeanor. It's not a demeanor. It's a decision. When you think about these things, when you think about what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, when you put your mind to those things, you'll want to celebrate who God is. One more story and I'll be done. 
A few years ago, my wife and I were getting ready to go on a trip. It was uh, January-ish, like the end of December, start of January. Uh, we lived in Nebraska at the time, uh, so it was right after we moved. And we were going to go. We had some friends we were meeting up with to spend New Year's Eve with uh, at a nice tropical location of Las Vegas. Um, whole, whole another story. It was the cheapest place we could go during COVID. And so we went there. And uh, so we, we're getting ready to go to Vegas. And our kids are going to go to my sister's house. Now, my sister lives in a little town called Holdridge, Nebraska. You're like, I've never heard of it. No one in Nebraska has heard of it, okay? It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little town. It's got nothing there. It's got a gas station, maybe. It might have a restaurant open every other day on Wednesdays. It's just, it's not a, it's not a great town, all right? And so my kids are going to go there. They're going to spend New Year's Eve with my sister and her family in little old Holdridge, Nebraska. And we've decided as parents that we're going to allow our kids to pack themselves because that's just fun, right? Just, let's make it an adventure. Let's check, let's check it out. Let's see what happens. And so my son Daxton, he was seven at the time, decided, yeah, I'm going to pack myself. And so as a parent, as a good parent, I decided I need to go through his bag before we send him off just in case, not to see what he packed, but to see what he didn't pack. Because there's some things he probably didn't pack. And so here I am, I'm going through the bag and looking at the bag and seeing some things. And I'm like, well, you got one sock. Cool. That'll, that'll come in handy. And you got like a pair of pants. It's winter. It's snowing. It's Nebraska. It's a major snowstorm. You've got a couple pairs of shorts. You got some t-shirts. You've got no coat, no underwear, no toothbrush. Like I said, one sock. You got nothing in here, bud. And so I'm packing for him, packing for him, packing for him. And then all of a sudden, I reach at the very bottom of the bag, and I pull out his swimsuit. <laughs> and I say, Daxton, why did you pack a swimsuit? Looks me dead in the eye. And he goes, Dad, you just never know when it might go swimming. <laughs> that was his attitude. His attitude was, if I'm going to Tammy's house, and I know they got nothing there, but I'm packing my swimsuit just in case. I'm packing my attitude that says, if there's a will, there's a way, and I'm going to make sure that I've got a way, that if there's a chance that we might go swimming, I'm at least prepared to go swimming. How many of us need to pack a swimsuit every day? When our feet hit the ground, when we get out of bed and we start making our way to work, how many of us need to go, you know what? I need to choose joy today. If joy is the antidote to pain, I need to pack a swimsuit in my own world, in my own life, in my own family, in my own neighborhood, in my own workplace, that I need to pack a swimsuit every single day. So how do you pack a swimsuit? Paul gave us the reason right here. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent or praiseworthy, that's eight words, okay? In case you were keeping track. What if, let's just start this Monday. Okay, let's try this, Monday. What if on Monday you woke up and at the top of your notes on your phone, because all of us have phones. Don't pretend like you don't have a phone. Don't pretend like you haven't been on all day. What if on Monday in the notes you just wrote true at the top of that? And then all day long, you just said, what is true? What's true? What's true about my relationship with God? What's true about me? Because so often we get so sidetracked on what other people say about us that we forget what God says about us. And so on Monday, we just said what is true. And Tuesday, we went to Noble. 
and Wednesday we went to right, and Thursday we went to pure, and Friday lovely, and Saturday admirable, and then Sunday when we find ourselves back in church together, we have excellent and praiseworthy, and guess what? When you walk into a place like this, or you log into a place like this, and you begin to sing, you'll understand just how excellent and praiseworthy he is, and you'll have joy. What if you took five minutes every day and just said, let's walk through each of these. So I'm gonna challenge you. I don't, I don't have any way to follow through with you, but I'm gonna challenge you. Try it on Monday, see what happens. There's eight of them. Do, do the last two on the seventh day and just see, just see how much joy you have. Because when you realize all the things that God has done in us and through us and for us, yeah, the pain hurts, and the pain is not fun, but there is purpose in the pain. And the antidote to pain is joy. So let's celebrate together. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate that he's forgiven us. Let's celebrate that he's given us a new life and a new future. Let's celebrate that he sent his spirit. Let's celebrate that he's given us a new identity in him. Let's celebrate that he's with us and he promises never to leave us. Let's celebrate that he's guiding us, that he's strengthening us, that he's working in our family, he's working in our future, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's a friend, that he hears our prayers, that he's in control, that he loves us with an unconditional, unchanging love. Church, let's celebrate who he is. See... God's proof of his love is not in the circumstances. God's proof of his love is not in the outcomes or the incomes. The proof of his love was on the cross where he took the pain for you and for me. And when we realize and recognize what he went through on the cross for us, our only response is celebrating him. Let me pray for you and with you. God, I thank you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for this church. It's such a joy and an honor to, to be back here and to see so many faces. And God, I just pray that you would guide us, direct us, allow us, Father, to fall into your presence because of who you are. Allow us to choose joy because of what you can do in us and through us and for us. God, we love you and we thank you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.